Well, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for all the members of our church, all the people who work just Sunday after Sunday uh, behind the scenes, and, and some of them here uh, in the worship setting, but there's so much that, that goes on uh, to make a worship service, and I'm grateful for each person uh, who helps us with that and gives of their time. And Lord, I pray that you'll just bless them for their service, and that w- I know we're blessed uh, by their service, so thank you for them, Lord, and uh, we give you praise and glory and honor for each one. Lord, we thank you for the way your Holy Spirit comes and speaks to us through your word. And we're asking again today that you would speak in a mighty way, that we would hear what you have for us, that we would be encouraged to share our faith. We ask this in Christ's holy name. Amen. I'm going to read from Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38, and I've titled this sermon, God Can Use You. Matthew 9, verses 35 to 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he asked, and he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Thanks be to God for his holy word. Amen. Well, I want to begin by telling you about the Allegheny Mound ant. Uh, It's an ant species that can be found all up and down the Atlantic coast uh, from Nova Scotia, Canada, all the way down into Georgia. And they can be quite destructive to vegetation and even small trees within uh, 40 to 50 feet of the mound because they inject an acid uh, into that vegetation. They will also bite if you disturb the mound. And the same thing, they spray acid uh, into the wound such that it stings. But they're remarkable insects, really. The, the head and thorax is an orangey red, and the back segment is black. There was a three-year study, actually, by the University of Wisconsin that revealed that one colony of ants can move 15 tons of subsoil. I don't know how they determined that, but, but one colony of ants can move 15 tons of subsoil. And they build clusters of large mounds, and they burrow uh, some five and a half feet into the ground. No wonder God said in Proverbs 6, 6, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways, and be wise. Now, I'm no entomologist, and you might find additional or slightly different information if you were to do a Google search, if you were to fact check me a bit this morning. But here's my thought. Whether these ants can move 15 tons or 5 tons, it is truly remarkable. And if God can create an ant to do something that amazing, then God can and does do even more amazing things with human beings, right? At the end of January and throughout February, we are going to offer an adult study on the three circles approach to sharing the gospel. 
But almost immediately when a pastor starts to talk about sharing the gospel, people start saying, I, I can't do that. And our palms begin to sweat, right? We begin to get nervous about it. What, what's he going to ask me to do? If God can use ants to move tons of subsoil to the surface, don't you think he can use us? I believe he can. But I think there's some key attitudes, there's some key characteristics, there's some key motives that you and I are going to need to have if we're going to answer the call to share the gospel with those around us. And I think we see some of those characteristics, those motives of Jesus highlighted in our text this morning. The first thing we see is that Jesus was compassionate. Verse 36, when he saw the people, he had compassion for them. Because they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. God can use you and I if we have compassion for people. There were, of course, times when, when Jesus got upset with the people. There were times when he rebuked them. It was mostly when uh, they dishonored God and mostly when they mistreated people. But if you look at the pattern of Jesus' life, you'll find that over and over and over again, he had compassion for people. Matthew 14, verses 13 to 14, when, when John the Baptist died, Jesus wanted to get away by himself. He wanted to go away and grieve. He, he went to a desolate place by himself. But verse 14, when he went ashore and he saw the crowds that had followed him, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 15, 30 tells us that great crowds came to him, bringing with them their lame and their blind and their crippled and their mute and many others, and they put them at the feet of Jesus, and he healed them. And if that alone wasn't enough, Jesus wasn't finished showing compassion because verse 32 tells us that Jesus called his disciples to him, and he said, I have compassion on this crowd because they have been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And that day he fed 4,000 men plus women and children. This was the feeding of the 4,000. He had previously fed 5,000. You see, God can use us if we have compassion on people. And what I want you to hear is we can learn all kinds of techniques. We can learn trusted methods for sharing the gospel, but we're never going to do that unless we first have compassion for people. Splankna is the Greek noun form of the verb to feel compassion, and it literally refers to the bowels or the intestines. And what the Word is talking about is feeling compassion deep down. You know, we usually speak of, of feeling something with our heart like, He broke my heart. But we also have some sense of feeling something in the lower regions. Like we say, I, had, I have a gut feeling. Or worse, we say, I hate his guts. The point is that compassion 
here is intended to be a deep felt emotion. And Christian mission begins when we have compassion for lost people. Or perhaps you've heard the old story about the, the man who fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out. There's lots of versions of this story out there. An optimist happened by and said, things could be worse. A pessimist stopped by and said, things will get worse. A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you are in the pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into pits. A fundamentalist said, you know, you deserve the pit. A Methodist came by and said, we brought you some food and some clothing while you're in the pit. And a Presbyterian said, this was no accident, you know. But Jesus took the man by the hand and he lifted him out of the pit. Jesus over and over and over again was moved by compassion to do something about it. Again, we can learn all sorts of techniques and, and they're, they're helpful. I'm glad we're learning some new techniques, but unless we're moved to compassion, they won't do us a lot of good. They'll, they'll sit dusty on our shelves, the shelves of our minds, unless we're moved to compassion for lost people. Only God can give you and I this deep felt compassion. So would you begin praying this very day that the Lord will give you an increased compassion for people? Let's begin to pray right now as we move into this series that the Lord would give us a greater compassion for lost people. And while you're at it, would you pray that God would help you truly see people and their lost condition apart from Christ? I think compassion begins when you and I truly see another person's plight. When, when we truly begin to think about and to see their destiny apart from Christ. Look at verse 36. Jesus saw the crowds, but he didn't just see a mass of humanity. He saw that they were harassed and helpless. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They were wandering like sheep without a shepherd, but Jesus saw their plight and he, he felt deep compassion for them. He, he saw people who were harassed and helpless. And the word translated harassed literally means people who are flayed or skinned. So we're talking about people who are severely harassed here. This, these are people in deep distress. And the word translated helpless means to be utterly helpless. At its root, it refers to someone who's been knocked down and they cannot get up on their own. Jesus saw these people and he understood how desperate their situation was apart from him. Yes, some had physical ailments and, and he dealt with those. But he knew that ultimately their sin had left them hopeless. They desperately needed his compassion and His grace. People all around us are desperately in need of the grace of Jesus. But we're never going to share the good news unless we first see them 
And we begin to recognize their hopeless condition. And they're not likely to be receptive to the gospel unless we, they know we see them and have compassion for them. You know the old phrase, people don't care what we know until they know we care. Beloved, I know I'm guilty of not seeing people. In fact, I'm ashamed to confess this, but I will confess it in hopes that it might uh, help all of us. I was in the self-checkout line at Walmart the other day, and I felt a presence very close to me. Actually, before I felt or saw anything, I smelled someone very close to me. It was a man who reeked of cigarettes and body odor. And sadly, I must admit that my first thought was, man, you need to ease up out of my space a little bit. Fortunately, I didn't say that. But when I got to the car, I thought, you hypocrite. You judgmental jerk. You didn't even see that man. And you sure didn't talk to him. And if you had of it, probably wouldn't have been the kind of conversation you needed to have. You don't know what's going on for that man. Danny, you were way too quick to pass judgment on outward appearances. You see, if we're going to have open conversations with people, we got to start seeing people. And we got to quit passing judgment based on external conditions. But, but we need to begin to see people as Jesus saw them, as helpless and harassed. We met a man about three or so years ago, at, maybe it was more than that, at a presbytery meeting. And his primary method, his primary entry into sharing the gospel is to notice people's tattoos. He doesn't judge their tattoos. Rather, he's learned to ask, is there a story behind your tattoo? Of course, he's polite. If the person doesn't want to answer, he says, hey, that's fine. You know, if it's personal, you, that's fine. You don't have to answer me. But what he's found is that there usually is a story, and often people are so glad that someone looked at them without passing judgment, and, and they asked about it, that they're glad to share their story. Which, as we will see in the three circles approach, such a conversation begins to open the door to then have a genuine gospel conversation with that person. I believe God can use us to share the gospel and not primarily because we're great evangelists or we have the best technique. God will use us when we begin to see everyone as a person Jesus died for. Regardless of what they look like or what we know they've done, Jesus died for them the same as he died for us. They are no more harassed or helpless than we are. The ground is level, beloved, at the foot of the cross. So who do we see? Who do we see when we look at people? Who do we see? Tough question. One we 
should ask day in and day out. Who do I see? What am I seeing? Am I passing judgment or am I seeing a, a beloved child of God? Someone that Jesus died for. There's just as much hope in the gospel for that person as there is for me. God can also use you and I when we to share the gospel if we're prayerful. Jesus commanded, verse 38, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And one way to apply this text is for that you and I would pray that God would raise up missionaries and he'd raise up evangelists, that he'd raise up those, quote, professionals to share the gospel. And certainly we should pray for missionaries and evangelists. We should pray that people will come to saving grace through their ministry. But it seems to me that this prayer is also a prayer for you and I, that God would use us to share the gospel. That God would use us in our sphere of influence to have gospel conversations with relatives and friends and neighbors and workmates and classmates and many other people. I wonder if we shy away from such a prayer because we're afraid God will actually answer that prayer. And we'll have to share our faith. So I'm hopeful that the three circles approach is going to open the door. It's going to help us a little bit so that you and I will be a little less anxious about sharing our faith. Let me urge you to be bold and to start praying for opportunities to share your faith right now. Start making a list of people you want to pray for, that people you'd like to see come to Christ. Pray also that the Holy Spirit would, would give you power, would give you wisdom, would give you words to speak. We can meet this challenge, beloved, if we bathe it in prayer. And it is a challenge. So one final attitude or, or characteristic I would share with you is that we need to have a willingness to meet this challenge. Jesus didn't hide anything from us when he said in verse 37, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. There are many lost souls, but precious few Christians are doing much witnessing. Oh, we're posting scripture. We're wearing our Christian t-shirts. We've got our Christian bracelets on. We're preaching our sermons. But are we having gospel conversations even with our own family? You know, even as a minister of the gospel, I must admit that I struggle sometimes to have meaningful conversations with my family, with some of my friends, and particularly deep enough conversations that they might then lead to a gospel conversation, to a chance to share the hope that I have. So one of the things I'm really excited to learn in this, in this three circles approach is they're going to teach us some stuff about turning everyday conversations into gospel conversations. I think that'll be real helpful for us all. So would you join with me on uh, Sunday, January 22nd? at 9.45 a.m. in the fellowship hall. And we're going to begin a six-week journey of learning more about sharing our faith. 
Next Sunday, I'll introduce you to the three circles approach in worship. And then January 22nd, we'll get busy in Sunday school learning them. And don't worry, no one's going to try to sign you up to go out on a mission trip. We're, we're not having this class so that I can then send you out or anyone else can send you out going door to door. That's, that's not what we're after here. If that's your calling, that's great, but that's not what we're after here. What we're after, what the, the discipleship team and the elders and I want to do is just to provide you some equipping and some encouragement for ways that you can share your faith during your everyday living. We can do this, folks. We can do this. It will be a challenge. I, I got to be honest with you, I'm a little bit nervous about it myself. But we can do this. We must do this. We're God's primary witnesses among our family and our community. And remember, we're most likely to share the gospel if we begin to think now about really having compassion for people. If we're really willing to see people. If we're willing to, to pray for them. And I ask the Lord for opportunities to share the gospel. Are we willing to meet this challenge? We can do this. We can do this because God desires that we do this. He loves lost people. And He'll be with us as we share our faith. Let's pray to God. Lord, give us compassion for others. We can preach a sermon. We can hear a sermon about compassion. But we need Holy Spirit power to be truly compassionate with people. We need you to, to give us your eyes to see hurting people. We need you to open our eyes to see that gentleman I was in the checkout line with. Don't know what his circumstance is. He might be one of the hardest working man, men in this county. and maybe, maybe that's why he smelled a bit. He'd been working hard while I sat up in an office. Lord, help us to see people. Help us to love them. Help us to care for their plight. Lord, we begin now just praying for, for lost people in our lives. We all have someone that we would love to see come to your grace. Maybe we've prayed for them for years. Perhaps you just brought them to our mind this week. Either way, we pray earnestly that you would give us opportunities to turn everyday conversations 
into gospel conversations. And whether it be through our witness or the witness of another, we pray that you will draw our lost loved ones and friends and neighbors unto you. We pray that they might have the joy of salvation that we've been given by your grace. To you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be all glory, honor, and praise today and forevermore. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace today and forevermore. Amen.